0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you. We can come before you today on a subject so necessary for us, especially this time of the year. Everything comes upon us, Lord, in relationships. Finance is one of those things. God, how can we follow you? All we need to know today, just show us, teach us, Lord, how we can follow you. For we ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name, amen. Thank you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. Old preacher said that every now and then you got to preach a sermon and ain't nobody gonna come up and say hi to you after the message and this this is that Sunday uh, probably this is the Sunday you may decide to stop coming as far as that goes because you're you're gonna sit back there and say just as a result of this Sunday you'll say see I told you all they ever talk about in church is money now that's not all we ever talk about we haven't even finished quite finished the school of the prophets yet that we were looking at. But in terms of adulting in the home, finances is an issue, and I cannot give you a full orb solution about getting out of debt unless I talk to you about your desperate need to follow what God lays out in his word as we're going to see today. Because there's almost no greater problem facing married couples and singles than the problem of debt. Two things always have a way of creating anxiety if they are not managed correctly. And one is finances and the other is time. So somebody has said there are three types of people in America. There are the haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they have. Uh, and we all have some debt in our society because we live where it is almost impossible to own a home without incurring debt Uh, many people have to have debts uh, related to their transportation but you know debt like finances in general and and like our time has to be managed in order for us to fulfill our ministry for god together and most couples that I see that are in financial straits and distress is not because they're not man- knowing how to manage money. It's because they do not manage their credit. Hello, somebody. So, so you know, we've, 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 we've got a goal this morning, and my goal is to get you to a position where, as a church, our debt collectively does not inhibit and does not prohibit our ministry in a facility that's going to be three times larger than where, where we were setting this morning. And that God can continue to draw people and we can continue to work with people and do discipleship and do the, the value of biblical virtues, instilling those into your kids. So if you would look at Deuteronomy 28 this morning on your handout, verse 1 says... And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day. That the Lord thy God will set thee on a high place, set thee on high above all nations of the earth. How high, verse 12 tells you, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven. Now he's not gonna rain down fruit from heaven look at look at what it says he will do he'll open heaven to give rain unto the land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand and thou shalt lend unto many nations thou shalt not borrow that's how much you'll have left over you have so much surplus and so it's not a quid pro quo what he's saying is God uh, God will do his part but you have a part in this as well so God says, I'll open heaven, I'll give you rain, you still got to plant. You got to plant those seeds, and you got to plow. So I'm not saying that that's even always uh, external reality in this dispensation, but I am saying that is God's ideal, and he tells us right at the beginning what he desires to bless. And in the New Testament, Paul confirms that, and this is our thesis for today's study. If you do things God's way, then you will have enough in despair for others. You will be able to minister with your money as freely as you minister with your mouth and minister with your hands, and that is my goal for you as we talk about adulting in finances. Now, the problem is, all money is tainted. Taint mine, taint yours, because I saw somebody else's, Amen. And, 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 you know, I know somebody's getting rich, it just ain't me. So people today say money talks, and it does, it says goodbye. Every day it's saying goodbye to me. Therefore, money is often a noose around the neck of our relationships, and we enter into conflict with others, with our spouse, or even with God, because of our indebtedness. And by debt, I do not mean that you have no financial obligations because it doesn't mean you never borrow. It doesn't mean you never owe. That is not how the Bible defines debt. Let me hit you with the definition. Debt is when someone can own you because of what you owe them. So never borrow from payday lenders Do not mismanage the credit on your credit cards. We are talking about strangulating debt, which is the result of finances that are not managed with an eye toward God. All I'm giving you today is AI. And the eye is toward God. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed this because if you have any type of electronic device... Uh, anything you look at, there's cookies. You're going through your Instagram feed, so, something popped up. If you, if you look at it in more than two seconds, well, they, they know. Now they know. And now every website you look at has a picture of that same thing that was on there trying to sell it to you because they know if they can get in your eye gate, the devil knows if he can get you with the lust of the eyes. Okay, well, that's as good as having all of you. And, 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 and so we're talking about that type of strangulating debt that comes from those type of things. And so in the Bible, debt is really a spiritual issue. Watch. Psalm 37, verse 21. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. So what is ungodly is to have bills that you do not or cannot pay, so much so that you do not tithe. That is unrighteous. So Romans 13:8 Paul says, "Owe no man anything but to love one another." And again, that doesn't mean you don't have any loans, but it means you don't have any loans that you do not pay when they come due. And guess what? God is the first one due. So, if the due date comes and you cannot pay, you are violating Romans 13:8. And don't we all know the wisdom of this verse by 2020 hindsight, Ecclesiastes 5, verse 5? Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. So, debt, Bible defined, is inability to pay when you owe on time. And so, the. The home adulting problem is this. Every lender has a marketing department and they are in cahoots with the advertisers and the influencers because every company is going to show you something you just got to have, you got to buy, you have to have it right now because if you'll buy it right now, you're actually saving and not spending. All right, well, this gets us to our first point for study. Start today to believe God about your finances. And if you will follow the three steps that I will show you, then you will, apart from some special lesson God wants to teach you by divine providence, you will have your financial house in order. But you've got to decide one thing before we even start this morning. I mean, this is kind of a special message in that respect. I, um, I, I Probably I have not talked about finances in exactly this way, even in all the time that I've been here, usually we talk about finances occasionally, maybe once a year or so, and, and I do that with some marshmallows on top of the hot chocolate, and that makes it go down. A little sugar makes the medicine go down. And uh, we do that. But today, I, you know I think God's leading us into a unique time, and there are unique challenges. that means you've got to decide one thing before we even start. You've got to decide ahead of time who you want to believe. And if you're here and you're not asleep, I know just what you're saying. You're saying, Alan, look, you know, I think I believe God. I just don't know if I believe you. So why don't you let me hear the sermon first, and then I'll tell you who I believe. No, you've got to decide to believe God before we even look at this passage, because that choice is going to determine whether you run debt or debt runs you. Now let me, open, let me open a window on that word. When the Spaniards first came to the New World, they knew there was gold. They just didn't know where it was at. So they captured an Inca. And they got an interpreter, and they asked the Inca where the gold was, and said, look, tell, the, tell that Inca that if he doesn't tell us where the gold's at, we're going to start a fire, and we're going to put his feet in it. And the, the Inca said, look, tell, tell the captain that I would rather die than tell him where the gold is. So they put his feet to the fire. That didn't work. Captain said to the interpreter, look, tell the Inca. If he doesn't tell us where the gold is, we're going to take this noose. We're going to hang him with it. And the Inca said, look, tell the captain I would rather die than tell him where the gold is. Well, they strung him up, brought him down just before he uh, you know collapsed and the captain said, look, tell you, to the interpreter, tell that Inca, that if he doesn't tell us where the gold is, we're going to flay him and skin him alive. So the interpreter told the Inca, and the Inca said, okay, that's too much. Uh, you know, that's too much pain, that's too much torture. Uh, tell the captain that the gold is in a cave behind the waterfall over the hill. So the interpreter turned to the captain and said, the, the Indian said, I would rather die than tell you where the gold is. Now, I don't see why you didn't get that. Because you need to watch out who you let interpret things for you financially. They They have their own agenda. God has an agenda, and that agenda is to bless you, not to rob you. So let God interpret things for you. So God gives three things you need to know from your Bible to reverse your financial situation as we enter this new year and a new location for our church. And if you grasp these three things, you will have enough to transform your finances, to do financial adulting, and to put your house in order. Anybody want to hear this? Just say, talk to me like I'm Poe, Alan. No, Poe. I can't can't even afford the R and and another O. I am Poe. In the world, they call this financial literacy, but they do it all wrong. They don't have all the pieces. So number one, you must plant. Let the whole church say plant. Planting is investing in what will give you the greatest potential return. Or to put it another way, planting is how you as a believer, and this is our second point for study, it is how you will establish divine ownership. No farmer gets a crop for which he does not plant a seed in faith and in anticipation of a much greater harvest. He knows for every seed he's going to get a plant with many seeds. And you can't just wait and hope that some random seeds are going to sprout up and then nothing sprouts up in a way you can really harvest it and then blame God for crop failure. And yet that is exactly how most believers are about their finances. Most people in debt, they want to look at what the crop's going to be before they answer the question, uh, you know, uh, what planting am I going to do? God, before I plant, I, I want to know that you're going to give me this, this, and this. I mean, I know what you may want to give me, but what I want you to give me is this other thing. And so if I tithe i got to get the crop that I want. But God says, you have two non-negotiable responsibilities. Look in Matthew 22, verse 17. Pharisees said to Jesus, tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. They brought unto him a penny. That was a full day's wages. And he saith unto them, whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. So responsibility number one is this. Tithe and taxes both gotta be paid. I mean, those are two things. As a Christian, you got to do up front and you got to do first. got to pay the Lord his tithe due and pay the state their taxes due. Now, it is obvious the state does not trust you. They do not trust you. I mean, our coins say, in God we trust. Everybody else got to pay cash. So the state does not wait for you to pay. They take it out before you get it. Then our government gives benefits like military protection and police and fire and first responders and things that accrue to us as citizens. And yes, they also take some of your money and they use it to perform abortions or set up casinos or legalize drugs, only it just wasn't your preferred drug. And, and, and prostitution or do other immoral things according to the Bible. Well, that is on them But if you do not pay your taxes, that is on you. So Caesar was doing exactly, he was doing those things and worse. And Jesus makes no exceptions to paying taxes. So take all legitimate deductions that you can. But the government, God says the government is God's minister. Romans 13 verses 3 to 7. So how come we are so much more conscious of what we give to the state than we are of what we give to God? But because we are, here's what applies. Matthew, Malachi chapter 3. Look at Malachi 3, starting verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings... You are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that was at the temple, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You say, Alan, that was Old Testament. Yeah, can you imagine how much greater blessing you're going to get under grace? Above what you can ask or thank, so this is the first foundational basis of correct biblical, spiritually mature financial management and i, I And I know nobody 's going to talk to me after the service. You may not even show up next sunday, but i 've got to say what the Bible says because this wasn 't a principle only for mosaic dispensation of the law this is trans dispensational starts off with Abraham at least and you will notice that five out of the ten commandments are not repeated in your new testament because righteousness is always assumed but another commandment is added maybe you missed it look at it first Timothy 5 verse 17 Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, your respect, plus your remuneration, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That is an Old Testament verse. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. That is a New Testament verse. And Paul says the same thing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 9, 9, quoting it from the law of Moses, but adding to it the code of New Testament righteousness. So here's our third point for study. If you're robbing God of your tithes and offerings, do not expect God to hear you when asking for help with your finances, because you may be inconsistent, but God's not. You may be unfaithful, but God is always going to let you faithfully reap what you sow by way of blessing or of curse. Say, Alan, how come I got to get on this right now, right before Christmas? I mean, couldn't you wait? Like, normally in the past, you know, churches do stewardship stuff in January. Couldn't you wait for January, like all of the, you know, all the sales that give you new sheets, that come out in January, you know, and you get new, new linens and stuff like that, or whatever January is devoted to. How come I got to get on this right now? Because if you can make a decision to follow God now in your tithes and your offerings at this time of year, then you can make it stick. And you can also, if you can do it now, you can do it forever. So all I'm trying to say is, if you determine that you are going to plant right then that means you are going to tithe. A tithe is 10%, one dime out of every dollar, uh, but it's got to be the first dime off the top. That's what a first fruit is. And you're going to drop it or designate it, no questions asked. And that's simply what funds your own ministry, and it funds our outreach. I mean, all that does is make it so that we have correct space For the lost people that you invite to come and bring their kids. And when we congregate to celebrate Jesus and his life on the first day of every week. But planting right also means you're going to fund other ministries. You're going to go beyond just tithing. And that covers your offerings. So maybe you determine an amount God wants you to give on a regular basis to some some missionary or some uh, uh, project or something on our drop-down menu on our giving page, uh, maybe including the building, or maybe it means you, you're you going to decide to become one of our, what I will call our Gideon's 300. 300 people or families willing to commit a, a certain amount per month over and above their tithe, uh, every month for three years. And my prayer and yours should be that that total... Put together is going to allow us to get rid of our debt in that three years' time. Because we will, se- we will sell this property to um, Blue Springs School District, Lord willing. Last I saw in the contract, January 4th. Now, we won't be able to be out of here by January 4th. So, so we'll have to pay them $10,000 a month for however long we're in here, probably two months. At the same time, we take the proceeds, because this is all paid off, take the proceeds by our demise, but we gotta add to it another million, which is less than what it would've cost us to build 4,000 square feet of space here. So okay, we'll do all that. I'd like to see that million gone and out of the way in three years. So I'm just praying. Because when you do that, you plant. Then you don't have to guess at God's blessing. You don't have to guess at God's pleasure. Whether you're pleasing Him. You don't have to guess at how God views you. And even if you don't get rich, you've got His blessing. But you cannot get a crop if you do not throw down seed. You know, a dime out every dollar is so cheap. Can you believe that? How do we even do this? I mean, how do we? I mean, this is obviously, this ain't a shakedown. If I'm talking to you like this, just saying, hey, just do this consistently all the time, this ain't a shake. If this were a shakedown, we would have taken the offering after this service. We would have taken it after the message, not before. So we're not manipulating you. No one ever went bankrupt because they gave 10% to their church. It just It's never happened. If it happens to you, you'll be the first one. I don't think it'll happen to you. And that is nothing compared to your salvation. That is a pittance compared to what you earn. Uh, even an extra nickel to fund missions or ministry is not extravagant. So you can see why it's not the amount that's important. And in that sense, we don't teach tithing as a law. But we do teach that if you are not at least tithing, if you're not at least starting there, I'm not going to have you as a deacon because you are freeloading on God. And now, and, and let me put it this way. Obviously, I don't know if you're tithing or not but we can pretty much tell when somebody's not, okay? I don't know if you are tithing, but we can pretty much tell when somebody's not. And then, well, How can I let them be a leader if they're freeloading off of God? I, and again, I haven't talked about giving like this all year, I don't think, but we gotta start here because there's no place else to start. Book, chapter, and verse me. If you don't wanna start with the tithe, you give me the verse that says, what what we should start with where should it start if it does not start there and the fact is you've got to give first before you can ever look for a crop and that is what i want for you today because that is adulting and financing there is no reaping if there is no sowing so if you're robbing god don't even take time with a financial planner because if you're robbing god the bible says you're under a curse And God cannot bless what he's cursing. I'm just saying. So you can't go to God to remove a curse from God when it was your denial of God that put you under that curse. And I understand Malachi sounds like very harsh language. Okay, so move to Paul because Paul talks about church offerings. And he doesn't talk about tithing because that is already assumed it is obvious that when Paul needs to speak, he's speaking about offerings because what he is talking about is money going someplace else to help somebody else. So you got to give God what belongs to God because the first prophets that anybody has, even before the law was given, and even in the New Testament according to Hebrews 7 verse 8, always belongs to God for his servants and his service. Why? Because... That was the form of planting, and what that really means, this is our fourth point for study, is that tithing is investing in the thing that will bring you the most help, and if you do not believe that, then you will not plant for God first, but if you do believe God is your greatest help, especially through any financial distress, then you plant tithes and even offerings, just like God describes, because you're not giving it to me you're giving it to him. And more than that, you, when you give here, you see exactly where it goes. You see exactly what it does. And there is not a uh, company that's taking 30% off the top or more just in order to get that offering in. So you, you are planting by giving. You're not showing how much you own. You are showing how much God owns you. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthians, verse 3. And he's talking to the Corinthians, an affluent church, about the Macedonians who were very poor Christians. And he's talking to the Corinthians about a vow they had made, basically, a promise they had made to give an offering for the poor saints at Jerusalem And the Macedonians had come through and the Corinthians had not. Paul says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So this is a rule you ought to start applying in your family this Sunday. If you are single, start it in your life this week. And the rule is simple. There'll be no time that money comes into your possession, and God does not get the first fruit, 10% off the top. So what happens when you honor God like that? What is the crop if you honor God like that? Well, here's what happens when you prioritize God. And I think it's a very encouraging promise for those who are already in debt. As a matter of fact, this is your first step on the way out. Can I show it to you? Look at Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving. But there's a semicolon after thanks, the word thanksgiving. Uh, because you've got to offer two things, not just thanksgiving, because talk is cheap. So you also have to pay thy vows unto the Most High. And then there's a colon, because that means then call upon me in the day of trouble. And another colon Then I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. So the people who ought to be committed most to tithing and the most committed to funding our move and our ministries are those who are the most strapped financially. It's your only way. It is your best chance of getting out. Starting with this first, because if you give God what is his, then when you call on God about what is yours, since you brought God into the equation, by a faith response, by trust in him up front, honoring him with your giving, he will hear when you need him. Many of you feel like you're not getting any help from God. Why? Because he already knows you do not trust him. God is not going to fund your distrust. Because if you're not tithing, if you're not planting first to establish God's ownership, you can't say you're trusting God. I mean, you can't. Why are you asking for anything even? Because trusting God's not an intangible act. Faith is always displayed by a work of faith. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 Thessalonians 1. Because it is planting faithful trust. And guess what, baby Yoda? Lest you think that I'm part of the name it and claim it. Tag it and bag it. Um... Blab it and grab it crowd. <laughs> let me go on to say that you do not get to choose the fruit. So I'm not telling you like many will tell you, okay, you, give your, you pay your vow. You give a $500 vow and God's going to bless you with X amount of dollars back. Or God's going to take care of this need or God's going to heal you that way. No, you don't get to choose the fruit. Uh, you get to be obedient and know God is pleased and get his blessing. So if you give, I can promise you blessing on the authority of God's word. And nobody's saying that your creditors are going to be miraculously paid. So all I'm trying to show you is that a farmer cannot say, I am trusting God to have good weather and a great growing season, but I'm never going to plant a seed. Neither can a saint say, I trust God to supply my situations But I'm not going to fund God's mission, God's ministries, or my own membership. Those three things. I am not going to fund God's mission, God's ministries, or even my own membership. So if you want to get out of your financial mess, then do financial adulting. Stop robbing God and get out from under his curse. I mean, if I was talking to you like some of the guys on TV do, About money, I would feel bad. But it is only a dime out of every dollar. I cannot believe any Christian would be so stingy. They would not give God a dime out of every dollar. Because God says, if my people are thieves, I lock the windows of heaven so they cannot steal from my house. Which is why, look at Haggai chapter one. It's why Haggai says, verse six: "Ye have sown much, now not sowing it at my temple, but you're not giving the offerings you're supposed to give at my temple. So you you sow in your field and bring in little. Ye eat but have not enough. Ye drink but are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you but there is none warm. And and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes." Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let's say you get a bill consolidation loan, but you're still not. Honoring God. Well, your car will drop a valve. I don't know. Your, your washing machine will break a belt. Um, the, the roof will start leaking. And, and you know, you thought it was just bad financial management. No, the reality is you are under a curse because you're robbing God. Now... Those things might, any of those things might very well happen anyway, but you will at least have God's blessing if you are not robbing Him. Because when a man or woman honors God with their substance, not only does God unlock the windows, Malachi says, He opens them. Not only does He open those windows, He starts shoving stuff out. I mean, watch out you may get a baby grand piano on your head because you now have access to his riches and his riches are more than you will ever need to be three holy things, content in Christ, consecrated to the mission and productive in ministry. It'll always be more than enough for those three holy things, but you got to plant first. You know, the dollar said to the quarter, look, you're just a skinny, valueless little runt. And the quarter replied, yeah, but I go into the offering plate more often than you do. But because we bring our robbery to church, we think God accepts it. I'm just going to tell you, don't go to a church that will let you get by with a 5% discount tithe, as if they had the authority to discount it. I mean, I cannot tell you that you can cheat God and God accepts that as trusting him. I just can't. Because there has to be the tangible demonstration of trust, both in your tithe and in your taxes. So don't take God's money and use that to pay your mortgage or your car payment or get new clothes. Because when God audits you, it'll be just like with the IRS. The interest makes payback higher. So number two, what must you do? You must plan. Let the whole church say plan. There must be the proper management of God's resources. We call this a budget, but here's the dealio. Every person in here, you already have a budget because you you have more or less a fixed amount coming in and you can track the fixed and variable amounts going out so you have a budget but you are still condemned if you do not know what it is. So for financial adulting in the home, this is your responsibility. Number two, monitor your finances with diligence. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And we Take that as a pastoral verse or a verse for pastors and how pastors do ministry. And it's not. It is totally a financial verse because flocks and herds were the finances of a ranching culture. So we would say look well to your financial situation and stop guessing. So now we get to our primary passage today. In the few moments we have left, look at Luke chapter 19. Turn to Luke chapter 19 in your Bible. Here's a nobleman. He goes on a journey. He leaves all his resources to be managed by his stewards. That is what Jesus does with you. If you are born again, that is what he does with you. He left. What did he send back? The Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit. Guess what you get when you get saved? Holy Spirit indwells you. He seals himself on the inside. Okay, so getting born again makes you God's son, but you are also a steward. And in a given lifetime, God gives each of us so many talents, so many dollars, and so many skills, abilities. We're responsible to manage. Luke 19, verse 12 says, a certain old nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom in return. That's Jesus. And he called his ten servants, a Gentile number. In biblical numerology, ten is number of Gentiles. And delivered them ten pounds, that was a British dollar. And said unto them, occupy till I come. Occupy means do business with this seed money until I get back. You take my resources in my place, and you make trades that bring me profit. You multiply what I gave to you. Now, at the bottom line, let me just cut across the field. What that means for many of you, you need to go home and have plastic surgery today. Plastic surgery. You don't need antiseptic, but you do need plastic surgery, not Botox, but you need to cut up your credit cards. Because if you're going to know well the state of your finances... You must do business differently than the world does. And that is why financial literacy is for the child of God. Verse 15, it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded those servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how every man, how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound it gained ten pounds. And he said, and well, thou good servant because thou hast been faithful in very little. I mean, it's only money. But because you were faithful in that, have thou authority over 10 cities. I mean, cities have people. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And, And he said likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I've kept laid up in a napkin. Why? Because that dude did not have a plan. He had the talent. He did not use it. How does Jesus view that, I wonder? What does what unconditional love do? Verse 23, wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury, with a return on my investment? And he said unto them that stood by, take from him that him him the pound and give it to him that hath 10 pounds because at the judgment seat of christ if you're saved born again you won't get punished it's not about punishing your sins i was all done on the cross judgment seat of christ is about rewarding you if you don't at least gain on what he gave you he's not going to reward you he will take what you have and reward somebody else with it I'll take from him the pound, give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. So wise management pleases God, poor management does not. Now what does all that mean? Just this, our fifth point for study. God is responsible for distributing the talent, but you are responsible for multiplying it with a plan. Financially, financial plan. Ministry, ministry plan. If you don't have a plan that God can use, not only do you not get the full benefit of what he gave you, but if you're a believer and you never win anybody, if if you get discipled, you don't disciple anybody else, no, he takes away from you what you have. Why? Because you're messing over what God gave you I mean, all ten tenths belong to God because they come from God. The first tenth is a minimum to fund mission and your ministry. But he still wants the other nine tenths managed with a plan. Now, how, how does this hit us today? Well, please note Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Verse 22 He that hasteth to be rich. Hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. So, when someone offers you something to get you rich without work, get you rich without saving, get you rich overnight, I want you to know that God is against that for your own sake and safety. Because what God wants to see is if you have the faith to develop your faithfulness over time. And the only way you do that is to test you through the patience of a plan. Proverbs 21.5, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. The thoughts of the diligent means a concrete plan for your work. So you need to plan your way into productivity, spiritually and materially, Because then you are trusting God and not just blind luck. And do not nullify God's activity by not managing according to his plan. Instead, Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. It'll take away all the confusion. And verse 9, a man's heart deviseth his way. Colon, okay? After you have a plan. And you, you, you put it in place. And you follow that. What's going to happen? Well, then the Lord will direct your steps. God will direct you through the plan that you devise after you commit your works unto him. And you get established thoughts. You know, many times the reason God cannot give you direction is because it's not because you haven't prayed. It's because you haven't planned. Uh, because then, in spite of your praying, God cannot establish your steps. now, really, this is the best message you have heard all year. I mean, you ought to go out and party after this don 't spend a lot of money. just go out and have a good time because this is this is how to adult in your finances. finally, and final analysis number three, you must prioritize proverbs fifteen twenty two without counsel purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they're established. There are people in this church who can help you prioritize and plan. This is one thing the Bible is so clear about. If you are currently being controlled by debt, well, you better ask somebody so that you can get a plan for getting out. How? This is your responsibility. Number three, by taking care of first things first. God is first. So first, give him the first fruits and tithe. Well, where do you go from there? Well, it means you've got to be mature enough to distinguish between three things and this last thing I'll let you go, but you got to get this before you go. You need to distinguish between a need, which is an absolute necessity of life without which you cannot function, as 1 Timothy 6.8 talks about, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He's talking to people who already have houses. So, uh, So these are the other two needs. Now, depending on your job, transportation might also be a need but never skip your needs in order to take money and satisfy your wants why because philippians 4:19 says but my god shall supply all your need and he does that according to his riches and glory by christ jesus so if you skip paying for your needs with what god supplies you are skipping god's priority And your planning is so bad, you're taking what God supplied for your need and squandering his riches on your wants. So only after you've taken care of needs can you go to wants, which are choices about the quality of supply you've got meeting your need. Your need is an apartment, but you want a house. Your need is a car that runs. Your want is a car that runs itself. You, your need is Walmart, your want is Steinmart. So it's a higher quality of what is still meeting your need. But do not mess with your plan and jump to wants if you've not yet taken your paycheck to meet those needs. And then third in your plan is desire. Desires are things on your wish list that ought to be covered from surplus. So in order to meet desires, your, your plan should include a surplus. And patience is still a virtue. So if your surplus is small, you save up for your desire. And that is so simple. So do not get impatient and prioritize your desires. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Now, I know that your Insta and your TikTok influencers love wine and they are rich but that is only because they are the bait and they are part of Satan's devices that you need to not be ignorant of where they try and seduce you into thinking that you can ignore God too. So my closing challenge is to direct your attention to an insert that is in your handout today because it gives you a tangible way to plan. Go home, lay out your bills, orchestrate a plan as best as you know how. Get help for whatever you need. You know, let us know. We we can put you with somebody. Honor the tithe like you're forced to do with the tax. And trust God for blessing. Not because of who this preacher is, but because of who God is. And this is the scripture. He backs up what he says. So I want you to do that because my goal for you is prosperity, not debt. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't you want that for yourself today? And you know, you need to start with settling the debt that you owe to God because of your sin. The debt that you incurred by offending his infinite holiness. All of us have. You cannot pay, but you can pray. And praying does not save you, but praying to trust in Jesus does. Just say, God save me today for Jesus' sake. I've not got it. I've not got it in myself. I can't do it. Lord, this message is so convicting. It's also convicting of me because I'm not born again yet. So Lord, I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. And once I get your life, I want to learn how to live according to your word, just like I've heard it now. So if you prayed and you trusted Jesus for eternal life today, then come up here to the front and meet me or one of our personal workers here at the front. I want to give you a copy of my book on next steps for new believers so you can know what to do, so you can start growing. What are the next steps? You know, I'm such an introvert. I like... I don't like conflict, I'm a man of peace in that sense, maybe to an extreme. So I don't even like preaching messages like this. I mean, I am absolutely certain no one is gonna show up for church next Sunday when I am preaching messages like this. But you know, maybe despite my distrust, today's the day you'd say, you know what, Alan? I wanna join here, I wanna be a member here. I wanna to go to a church where I know they're not doing the shakedown on they're not shaking me down but they are straight with me about what god's word says and they're not going to deviate from that for anything so if you want to join here come out and let us know let us talk to you about that have a word of prayer with you get the information we need tell you how if you want to get baptized december 17th when we have baptisms come up and let us know go ahead and stand if you would Seems like every Christmas, we hear the same old things. I did not want to say the same old things this Christmas. So next Sunday, we're going to start a December Advent series. And I want to show you the gift that the King really wants this Christmas.